Fantastic Fumble Files and welcome to Fumble Through! Fumble Through! A podcast that was bitten by a radioactive D20 and now has a weird rash. Join us today for the 10th installment of our show as we put characters and imaginations to work, distracting us from the hubbub of our otherwise mundane lives. And if after 10 episodes you're still enjoying what we do... You can follow us on socials, Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our newsletter on fumblethrough.com. I'm Justin, the man behind the screen, and joining me in the Fumble Factory is Luke. Hello there. Did you know that pineapple is the only vegetable or fruit or food group that will actually try and digest you first? That is... What do you mean? So it actually contains an enzyme called bromelain. So if you eat too much pineapple, it tingles in your mouth. That's the enzyme trying to break down the proteins in your mouth. To mimic. So once you swallow it, obviously the digestive juices in your stomach neutralize that. But that's... Yeah. That's crazy. Pretty cool. It uses a meat tenderizer if you want it to. Wow. Speaking of meat tenderizer, Brett! Hi, um, I've been wondering if a spaceship travels at the speed of light, would its headlights work? <laughs> oh, gee. What was it you said? Brett, 1980s, I call in, they want their jokes back. <laughs> it's not a joke. I've been thinking about these things. Actually laughed at that. <laughs> and Lindsay! Well, since we're going facts, apparently ants always fall over on the left-hand side when drunk. Ants. Ants. How did ants get, get drunk? drunk. Yeah, there's a lot of precursor <laughs> questions to that. Drinking little yeah. bottles of wine. Those biologists, I mean, they have a real fun time when they're bored, hey? Got four jugs in, <laughs> standing on two legs. Quick, we need to write a grant for some money. What should we do? Let's see the effects of alcohol on ants. Yeah. Do they have to take them to the ant strip club first? <laughs> get them an ant kebab oh, afterwards? Look at that thorax. <laughs> Her mandibles are so nice. <laughs> This week, we embark on a written adventure that's been adapted to fit into the Pathfinder rule system, an advanced Dungeons and Dragons adventure known as LC3. Oh, wait, no, it's not LC3. It is actually LC3, but it's actually called the classic Night Watch in the Living City, published by TSR and celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. And I'm pretty fucking excited about it. Have you guys ever played any old modules before? Never. Never. Yes. <laughs> I played a Dragonlance module. Way, way back. That's first time kind of kind of messing around with this stuff, but nothing since I think 3.5 was my step in. Is this earlier than that? This is way earlier. This is 30 years ago. This was released in 1991 under the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons rules. Oh, like first edition ADD. We're talking thing. Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, old wow. Red Book Advanced Dungeons & Dragons with Thacos and stuff. There's been a bit of conversion that I've had to do. Thacko. Thacko, the to hit armor class is what used to do it. There's a whole rule system here that yeah, you, if you don't you probably, read this rule book, you're never going to read it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a little more complicated than what we do they today. Used to use Thacko for Middle Earth roleplay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a pretty common term. Yeah. This week's question actually comes from a listener named Ryan. What would be the worst everyday task that you could roll a natural one for? And I guess this is in real life. So this is from Ryan. If you have any other questions that you'd like to, please send them through to us at fumblethrough.com or hit us up on our socials. Taking a shit. <laughs> <laughs> that 
probably be a disaster, wouldn't it? it how really would, would that play out? I have no idea. <laughs> there would be What's explosion natural... involved, I'm sure. <laughs> I've rolled a natural one, I'm pretty sure, it, it, on, on the backdrop of changing a daughter's nappy. Yeah. And yeah. I got shit in my mouth. But um... Oh, jeez. Driving to work would be pretty bad to roll a 91 on. A natural one driving? Mm. Come on, we can be more... <laughs> Come on. Look, we can be more creative than okay. taking a shit and driving. Like these are all things that not doing, not doing your best on would probably. I'd hate to take an extra one on my fort saves. I have cleaned my fridge out a number of times, <laughs> and have needed to roll some constitutionals considerably. Hate to roll an extra one at that point. <laughs> Luke, oh, I thought why are you taking a shit one with a then? <laughs> <laughs> it's just low-hanging fruit, though. It, it literally was. <laughs> it would be, too. Yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe a fort one on your prostate exam. I don't know. A natural one on a prostate <laughs> exam would be pretty awful. Yeah. It's no real reason why both of mine are anally associated. <laughs> Is, there? Is there not? No, no there's not. No, Is no. there not? No fixation there whatsoever. All right, Lindsay, have you got something? Yeah, and you haven't done one yet. Yeah, just because mine's not good enough doesn't mean you can't get out of doing dodging one. dodging the bullet. You, you come up with one first and then give me time. Come up with I, a think, second. I think that rolling a natural one while proposing to somebody would be pretty damn awful. On your will save. But I thought, hang on a minute. I thought we were talking about on rolls, everyday rolls. Do you propose to somebody every day? Yeah, yeah. I always get knocked back though. <laughs> Yeah, failed charisma check. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So everyday roles. Cooking. Cooking, yeah. Oh, These are all pretty yeah. standard things you don't want yeah. to fuck up. I, I okay. experienced some people rolling natural ones on turning their computer on every morning. <laughs> yeah. See that. Yeah. yeah. Deleting your search history. <laughs> Deleting your search history for a natural one would, would be, be terrible. sending it to everyone on your mailing list. <laughs> <laughs> that's a natural one. I reckon Natty One can turn into a success. Like I reckon probably um, Benjamin Franklin, he rolled a natty one while flying a kite. Didn't he do that on purpose? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Isn't that why do he tied the like key old, to it? Do I look old enough? If he was so smart, <laughs> why would he do that on purpose? <laughs> if he was so smart, why yeah. would he go, mm, electricity, let's see if I can electrocute myself with this kite. Uh, I like that you're like, do I look old enough to know Benjamin Franklin? I'm like, I hope none of us are old enough to know Benjamin Franklin. What, what about picking your kid up from daycare? Picking up the wrong kid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's a fair call. I quite often thought you know, I would think I would roll a one on assembling a piece of IKEA furniture. That's how. Isn't that come that's, with yeah, the instructions? Yeah, I was going to say that is part of yeah, part of part and parcel, part of doing it. Yeah, I've never picked up the wrong kid, but I've consistently lost children at the shops. Consistently attempted to lose. <laughs> yeah, I picked up the wrong kid. It was yeah, mine. They keep <laughs> coming back. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. In the evenings of fall and spring, when the land and water temperatures mix with the pollutions from the factories, a smog rolls in off the inner sea. The smog is known as the veil because, like a beautiful woman, it's both mysterious and deadly. It's a time when all good merchants keep close what is theirs, knowing that if they do not, it will disappear into the veil. It's also a time for pirates to slip in from their secret caves, found in coves along the coast and come into Absalom. It's a time of mirth, myth, mystery and magic you like so many others find yourselves in the city with hopes of finding fame and fortune and here you've learned the most valuable lesson of employment it's not what you know but who you know and you know piera you've made a place for yourself in the watch not the city guard but the night watch 
You're not sure you want to make this a lifetime vocation, but it'll give you an inn to get off the streets into a decent inn. And everyone knows that the references from the city guard are as good as gold if you want to become an adventurer. During the Vale, the city guard recruits new apprentices to help patrol the shrouded city. Young adventurers travel to Absalom in hopes of being chosen for the junior city guard known as the Night Watch. Members of the Night Watch have no official power to enforce the law. They're mere peacekeepers told to handle most problems as well as they can and only to bother the city guard if they have to. For herein lies the rub. Almost every group that's fallen back on the help of the city guard has been thanked and then dismissed. Honours generally fall to those who have used their own abilities wisely and well and relied on their own self-sufficiency. A successful stint with the Night Watch allows a person to get employment just about anywhere in Absalom and raises the price one can ask in responses to adventurers for higher advertisements as well. Five gold pieces a week is a nice bit of change to have in your pockets as well, especially right now when your pockets are kind of empty. As a prospective Night Watch candidate, you've assembled outside the City Guard barracks in the parade ground. In front of you, you see two figures. Both of them are in officer's garbs. One of them looks considerably more powerful than the other one. Lots of stripes on his shoulders, a very polished helm on his head. Night has drawn nigh and the veil has begun to move in. Garcaru of the city guard calls for all to be quiet. Quiet! Form into groups of four and move quietly into the hall. There will be a brief inspection and then you will be assigned a sergeant who will see you to your sector. That is all! Leaving you guys out there. You see all the other recruits start to file into the hall where he indicates. What are you doing? Shall we go? Right then, guys. Yeah, let's, 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 let's snap to it. Um, I, I, this is quite outside of my uh, understanding, so please help me if I'm doing something inappropriate or wrong. I'm feeling out of my depth. Don't you worry, our kid. I got you. This looks scary. Okay. Miles straightens up his uh, little armband and away you go. Flopsy straightens up his tail and off we go. <laughs> <laughs> Inside you see that the guy who just spoke is obviously a captain and he has his boss with him. They get up onto the stage into a lectern and they start addressing the crowd. You see the other man in high finery, obviously the leader of all of the watch, is right there. From here on out, you will represent the city and all she stands for. Although you yourselves carry no authority, you will be considered peacemakers for the duration of time of the veil. Stand ready for inspection. And the two older men walk along and inspect each person's weapons and wardrobe. Sonny smiles and talks amongst the new recruits. Gar follows a step behind, his face almost expressionless. At one group, they stop and talk for a moment. Sonny shakes his head and a small boy turns and walks out from the hall. You hear, too young. Oh my God, why is he doing He can't join the watch. He's, he's not, he doesn't even have any hair on his chin. And you hear that kind of muttered throughout the, uh, the hall. The two approach your group. Sonny smiles and nods and carefully looks over each of you. All right, who do we have here then? Miles McCarthy, sir. He chucks up a salute. And he looks you up and down, kind of gives you a bit of a nod. And you? Uh, my name's Reginald, sir. All right, nice to see your small statues here. Good, and, oh, we don't see many of your kind around here, but you're welcome too. What's your name, recruit? Uh, my name is Jarty. People call me Flopsy, sir. Is that right? Is that what I do? Yeah. Flopsy, call him sir, even though he's an idiot. I am standing right here. How dare you, sunshine? Sorry, you took a bit of a hit to the head, and he's never been quite right after that. He's a little bit nervous as well. I would say you need to watch your friend. 
they kind of tick you off a, a list. And you, oh, my name's Pierre O'Daffy. They look you up and down and then, acceptable. Gar nods, reaches into a small burlap bag that he carries, and he pulls out a blue glass disc that he hands straight to you, Miles. After a few more minutes, the inspection is over. Sunny Sun River takes the podium. Each group now holds a different coloured disc. A sergeant here in the guard will hold a matching disc in your duty assignment for the evening. Each sergeant in turn will come to the podium, hold up the coloured disc, and then take the group to the appointed station. Some of you may be disappointed by your assignments, but remember, the important thing is to do your job that you do, not where you do it. If any of you have doubts about your ability to perform your duties tonight, then you're free to leave. And kind of pauses at that point and looks around. Now, then raise your hands and repeat after me. As an initiate of the Night Watch, I do solemnly swear to use my mind and body to maintain a peaceful, to maintain a peaceful law-abiding atmosphere, law-abiding atmosphere in my assigned sector. In my assigned sector, I swear to break no laws. I swear to break no laws. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, half of the half the auditorium is summarily dismissed. That was a test. You, 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 and you out. I swear to break no laws. I swear, I swear to break no laws. Or take any person's life. Or take, or take any, any person's, person's life. life. While on duty tonight. While on, While on duty, duty tonight. tonight. I give my oath. I give my, I give my oath. My oath. As a member of the Night Watch. As a member of the Night Watch. Well done. May the gods hold favor with you. Well, well done. done. May the gods <laughs> hold favor. One by one, the sergeant steps up to the podium, raises the colored disc, and shouts out the color. Each then moves towards the door to meet their party. And so the hall begins to empty until you realize that you guys are the only group left. A sergeant walks up to your group and holds up a blue disc, shakes his head, and says, Sorry. It's just a lack of the jaw. Come on, the veil's already rolling in. And with that, you are greeted with Sergeant Luath, Sergeant of the City Guard of Absalom. Luath basically is an old school watchman. You can see him. His boots are well trodden. They're well cleaned, but they're worn. He's a guy who's obviously been paddling on the streets for a very, very long time. You can also see that he's got the air of somebody who's very recently been promoted into this position. And he starts talking to you as he walks you out. You've drawn a tough assignment for tonight. Doc Hollow wouldn't be where I'd want to start, but it's as good as any. Some decent people live in Doc Hollow. You might hear it sometimes called Fishtown. Most problems lie with sailors passing back and forth. There's a few things you should know, though. You've got three areas to cover. First, there's Doc Hollow itself. That'll be a handful in the Vale just by itself. Try not to start any trouble at the Silver Lily. It's a ship captain's favourite, and any trouble there could give our city bad name across all areas and all seas. There'll still be some sellers at the fish market. Stop and say hello to them. Remember, it's them that you're protecting. Secondly, the warehouses ought to be pretty quiet at night, but you've got to go there as well. The gardens of opulent splendour lie between the warehouses and crow's foot. 
Crow's foot shouldn't be a bit of a problem. It's just residents that live along the North Coast Road. Most of the market vendors live there and a tavern or two can be found so people won't have to walk through the warehouses and the gardens over to, over to Doc Hollow. Should be pretty quiet around there as usual. Now, the gardens, that's another story. The gardens have been turned into a group of temporary embassies for new diplomats travelling into Absalom to open up new routes of trade. Be warned. Embassies represent their native soil and the laws of each of the diplomats' home countries are observed in their area of the gardens. Entering one without an invitation is punishable by death in some cultures, so be careful. It's easier if you just try to steer clear of the gardens altogether. Do you have any questions? Sir, why would we steer, steer clear of the gardens if our job is to patrol these areas? Be aware that if you go into the gardens, you are not governed by Absalom law. You are governed by the laws of the country that own that place. So if you break the laws there, you are not covered by the night watch or the city guard. What about the Silver Lily? You said don't start trouble there. Is that a place that there's usually a lot of trouble? Or? Well, that's where the captains all go. So that sounds like a place where there'll be a lot of trouble. Well, you want to go past there. I don't know where there's going to be troubles, kid. There's probably going to be trouble at some point, but most of it would be drunken sailors. You should be able to handle it. Now, if you do run into trouble that you can't handle, in your bag, you will find a flare. All you have to do is shoot that up and the city guard will come running and you'll have the rest of the night off. When you say rest of the night off, what do you mean? Well, uh, night watch recruits who call the city guard obviously cannot do the job as entailed and they are summarily dismissed. Oh, do you like it back, sir? We won't be needing it. Uh, Sarge? Yes? What kind of trouble has the um, old, uh, this area had in the last couple of days? Look, it's a rough part of town. I can't tell you. Mostly drunken sailors, brawls, that kind of thing. You ain't going to find too much, I don't think. And by the looks of you, and he kind of looks at both of you, then goes back to Reg. Well, maybe one of you can handle it. Well, I suppose the real question is, if all we're seeing is drunken sailors, what do we do with a drunken sailor? <laughs> I believe the answer is Tarura Rura Ray. Sorry, that, that is a good question. What do we do with suspects when we get them? You keep them early in the morning. <laughs> you are to obtain the suspects and then you are to march them to the watch house. Okay, so no manacles in this kid, I've noticed. Let me make this straight, guys. You have no real authority. You are here to basically patrol, keep the peace and show that there is a member of the watch that is here. Right. If you get to a position where it's above your head, don't go getting yourselves killed over five gold pieces a week. Fair enough. All clear here. Hooray up she rises. Let's go. I've got three more things to tell you. Oh, right. Okay. Remember this. <laughs> Murder is a crime. Yes. Theft is a crime. Yep. Destruction of property, especially guild property, is a crime. You are still governed by the laws of the people that you are protecting tonight. Be very mindful of that. Every now and then we get a group of people in who think that they can come in, kill with no remorse and steal everything off their bodies. Don't do it. You'll get yourselves in more trouble and you'll just be on the other side of the watch. Reggie looks over at Flopsy, just gives him a nod. Except, of course, in the uh, embassies where that law doesn't prevail and it's the law of the local place. Yes, that's correct. That's why I said stay clear of them. We really have no jurisdiction over that place. But in some of those places, stealing or theft or murder may be acceptable. You keep coming back to the embassies. What is your <laughs> fucking problem with the embassies? So what you're saying is they have um, anybody who runs in the embassies has got diplomatic immunity, yeah? Yes, that's right. 
That's right. All right. Now, this is how this works. And he takes the uh, bullseye lantern from Piera, who's holding it at the moment. He takes the disc, the blue disc that you were given, which actually has an N written in it. And he slides it down in front of one of the ends of the bullseye lantern. He says, you want to identify yourselves as watchmen? This is how you do it. And he shines that into the fog. And you see the blue light come out and there's an N there. But I wouldn't be using that all the time. Probably best not to uh, use it unless you really need to. And he slides it back out again. This is the emblem of the Night Watch. Use it only to identify yourselves. Otherwise, use the front opening to see your way around. Most of the time, you won't need a light. Just make sure you return both pieces to me in the morning. Here are the city gates. This is as far as I go. You're on your own now. And remember, think before you act. Don't use force unless it's absolutely necessary. You are bound by the same laws as those you're protecting. And if there's one thing I've learned, it's that everything happens for a reason. Ships sink because they've got a hole in them, not because they feel like sinking. If you absolutely require the help of the city guard, well, fire off your flare. But a friendly word of advice. None of the groups who ever asked for help here were ever asked to join the city guard again. Keep your wits about you and be careful. With that, the sergeant turns and walks away into the thickening veil. And now our watch begins. Thank you, Sergeant. Bye. I'll see you in the morning. Have a good night. So, shall we go? Where, where shall we set off first? Fish markets? You find yourself standing at the city gates with a, uh, with a bit of a map in front of you. The order of this patrol, he asks you to go through Fishtown. Then he asks you to go into the Gardens of Splendor, through the docks, then maybe go out to Crow's Nest and then finish your night somewhere in Dock Hollow. So as four new recruits to the Night Watch, you find yourselves in the thickening veil just at the beginning of Fishtown. So how dark is it? It's lit up. So the place is lit up enough that you, are, you can see. The problem with the veil is that you've got about 30 foot of visibility around you. So as you're walking around, you can hear the sounds of the world around you, but you can't see very far. You can see lights. Things are kind of illuminated, but you know that's, that's where you are. Pierre said yesterday that we, we should keep light on us at all times. So do we want to light up the place a little bit more as we walk? So the idea is we're just patrolling. Yeah. So we just start walking. Just outside the city gates lies the Harbour Fish Market. This is where... All of the fish for the day is sold. Usually people come here in the mornings to buy the fish because it's fresh before the smell starts to set in. And most of the citizens of Absalom who buy fish tend to walk through here through the day. There's still a few market stalls that are out that are at the end of their wares of the day as the night sort of settles in and the veil starts rolling in. Sarge said we should say hello to the fishmongers and introduce ourselves. Tippy, keep your head on a swivel. So where are we heading first? Fish market. The fish market. You're assaulted by the smell of seawater and day-old fish. The harbour fish market stands to your left and the warehouses are to your right. Many of the stalls are closed or in the process of closing, but you get to a few vendors who are still open. The first one, you get to a stall and you see an old leathered man. Oi, my good lads and lassie, I have some good squid for ye today. And he picks up a handful of squid in his hand. Let ye have it real cheap. Say a copper a handful, squishy, squishy, and he breaks off one of the tentacles, pops it into his mouth. The tentacle squirms as it's still alive, and he kind of chews it. They be delicious, still kicking. Oh, yum. And he sucks it down. No, thank you, sir. Sashimi. Anybody? No, we're, we're, we're just from the Night Watch, just passing through, checking out everything's okay. Any, any trouble to report, sir? I ain't seen no trouble here. Look, but unless you want to buy some fish. 
It's real nice. Uh, not for me, sir. Sorry. You hear another woman's voice just from uh, up the road a little bit. Nice red fish for a young noble, perhaps. They be very fresh. Look, they still have their eyes open. That's how you can tell they're fresh. Yes, sir. Never sell a sleeping fish. My dad always said a silver piece or half a half. Remember, you can lead a herring to water, but you'd better get them there fast or you'll die. Fish don't sleep. Two young girls then uh, approach you. Exotic shells, kind sir. Very beautiful. No two alike. I collect them and my sister makes them into jewellery. How old? Oh, they're probably in their teens, their early teens, 14, 15. Well, they got like little shell necklaces. Yeah, and little about. shell necklaces that they've strung together to make jewellery. How, how much are you charging there, young girl? Well, it depends what you'd like. Um, uh, Sissy, Sissy, my sister, she, she makes them into jewels. I just collect all the shells. What? My name's Sally. Okay. So- I sell seashells <laughs> by the seashore. Um... So I have a look at her wares. How much is she charging? I'll, I'll buy one of the necklaces. One of the ne- how much? It depends. Like you, you've got a variety of different prices. Like what price range are you looking at? Like it's like a jewelry gold. shop. Yeah, you know, a jewelry shop. You can go there and you can buy the most expensive expensive bracelet, or there's a cheap bracelet. Well, I'll get a middle of the range one that looks like sturdy enough that it'll last and and take a bit of damage. How much are you looking to spend? I don't know. Gold piece. Okay. Is that a lot? That's a lot, yeah. Well, I'll top of the range then. <laughs> that's a full yeah. day's wages for a five gold piece week at the night watch. That's a good point, hey? Yeah. A silver piece then. So you spend a silver piece and you get yourself a nice little seashell bracelet. Necklace, necklace. Oh, a necklace. Yes. Yeah, it's a bracelet for a human-sized person, but oh, for a gotcha. half Nice, yeah, yeah, necklace. yeah. So do I get a discount on that? No. <sighs> no, and it doesn't weigh quarter the... <laughs> So you, you get yourself a nice necklace. They uh, they thank you very much. Is she able to paint a blue hand on it for me? Uh, uh, yeah, you, I, I think I could do that for you. Okay. Yeah. For an extra silver piece. So, definitely. And you kind of see her rush and get around. Is there oh. any trouble here, Matt, Mrs. Mises? There, there ain't no trouble that I've seen, but what's your name? Name's Miles McCarthy. Nightwatch at your service. You may have heard of Miles, my friend, here. I've heard? Heard of Miles? Why have I heard of you, Miles? Hey, I've been around. I took out care of some ruffians last night, in fact. Uh, and how old are you, Miles? Ah, uh, 21. And how old's Mrs. Miles? <laughs> there is no Mrs. Miles. Oh, there is no Mrs. Miles. Well, you know, my, my sister Sissy, well, she's, uh, she's quite the... Uh, Quite the catch as you will. Ha-ha. You did. Ha ha. <laughs> you did say a fourteen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is she now? I mean, kind of. You see him get a little bit awkward. You see, Sissy <laughs> just turned bright red, put her hand over her mouth. And, <laughs> I'm sure we can find an embassy garden where it'll be okay. <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I think I hear trouble just over there. <laughs> I am going to investigate. <laughs> and you kind of, they give you a, your necklace with right. the blue uh, Thank the you. Blue hand Thank you, my lady. Last on the cell. Uh, you get to another. Hey, you kids. You've got a conch shell for the veil. How are you going to find yourselves in the veil without one? And he kind of puts a, a large shell in front of you. You know what a conch shell is, yeah, don't no. you? A conch shell is like a large seashell. And he kind of says, you need one of these because if you get lost in the veil, easiest way to find each other is you blow on this. And he kind of puts the conch to his uh, lips. And he blows on it, goes, makes a noise. And you hear through the veil, you hear other shells going. That's, you see that's pretty cool. They did give us whistles, though. Yeah, each of you will need one of these. Don't Nobody leaves home without them, do they? How much of those shells did? Sir? 
Is, is, is he a sir? Is Mate, he? Is look, he? These sells, sells the best you can find. Only a silver for little ones and a ten for a big one. Um, am I a little one or a big one? Oh, the shells, littles are big ones. I see, I see. No, well, we've got whistles. Can they work just as well? Oh, look, people generally carry conch shells around. They seem quite fragile too. Only a silver for the little ones and a ten for big ones. Perhaps and I- that's taking food out of my kids' mouths. I might just um, consider it for a while and come back. All right. I will see you later, good what sir. What was your name? My name's Harlan McGrath. Harlan. Harlan. Lovely to meet you, Harlan. We're new in town. Uh, my name is, uh, y- you can call me Jarty. Um, I- I'm part of the Night's Watch. Well, welcome, Night Night's Watch. <laughs> oh, yes, Night's Watch. I hope your night goes uneventful-like. Flopsy will try and introduce himself to the other two vendors that were offering... Yeah, you go back Raw to the speed, levered old you know, man yeah. and he introduces himself as Ivan Snargan. And the lady with the uh, redfish, she is Margie Garot. Actually, I might take one of those large conch shells, sir. Oh, a large one? That's ten silver pieces. Yes, please. Yeah, and he hands it over. You get a large conch shell with little brown spots on it. Cool, it's got it's no handle or anything that can like no, sing it over my shell. No, it's just a little Damn. shell. It'll fit in your pocket. Okay. So... A um, little it's shell. A, it's about the same size as the ocarina oh, that, that okay. Link uses. Hey, ocarina. Gen- gentlemen, um, it is money you're spending, and we are here to raise money, not spend it. I know the economy needs to be prudent and all, but... I found, I found the coin person to cast bagger as well. Just because you have it doesn't mean you need to spend it. Spending money among the locals will surely avail them to us. Yeah. Or us to them. Sure. Well, so it sounds cool. As you put the conch shell to your... No sound comes out. <laughs> You kind of you kind of go to blow it. And he goes, oh, you'll probably have to work on that. There's a bit of a trick to it. See what you got to do. And he kind of gets your hands. And he puts them on the side, and you find that when you start blowing on the conch shell, it's neither easy to do or simple. It's it requires a lot of breath, and it requires a special trick to get it working. And you see some of the other vendors and some of the other people around the street just kind of look at you and shake their head. So that's motive on this guy. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that did was... you just roll Indiana Jones's roll? <laughs> so because it's our 10th episode, I'm using my special gold dice. Oh, gold yeah. dice. Solid gold. Yeah. Solid gold. So that <laughs> apparently I'm not real good at sensing motive. So that is a five. A five. I rolled a seven. Hook, line, I mean, and sinker. Even, even on a five, you get the feeling that this guy... Saw you coming a mile away and people are laughing. But you also see some other people get out their little shells and stuff. Like, you're not the only one who has a shell around here. Everyone seems to have them and people are laughing at you like, sure. This is the drop bear of Fishtown. This is the <laughs> this is the local kind of, let's, let's get you suckered in and get you one of these mementos. You got to me, Sarah. We have a similar trick at home with the golden beats. Kind of like silver beats, but golden. I, I, I don't know what you mean. And kind of avails himself with uh, seeking out other customers and kind of walks away. He wouldn't have stayed with you after he showed you how to do it. It's, it's easy. You just practice a little. Off he goes. You get to another stall a little further down. You see a small greasy man toasting skewered rats over a fire. The smell of rat kind of is in the air. It's a bit greasy. It's a bit gamey. He goes, rat on a stick. Anyone care for a rat on a stick? Gets them every morning I does so you know they're fresh. Rat on a stick. You like like you could do with one. Shine your horns up, these do. Uh, no, that seems quite unsavory. Uh, my name is uh, Private Jardy of the Night's Watch. I'm here to do my rounds. Any issues tonight for you? Good sir. 
No issues at all. You want a rat on a stick? No, thank you. I have eaten my fill today. Had three hot pockets for breakfast and then another two at lunchtime. I'm fine. Thank you. That doesn't seem quite savoury or healthy. Just do a perception check for me, please, ah, yeah. Flopsy, as you're interacting with this greasy man. That's a 15. Yeah. You go to look at his wares and you see that as he turns one of the rats, one of them already has a bite mark. Oh, in it, you get the idea that this guy might be sampling his own wares as he's uh, as he's cooking them. How else would you know the spices are right? You sure you don't want a rat, sir? Uh, no, quite my fill of rat, but they look delicious. Are they delicious? Oh, they're great. They are the best rats that you can get this side of town. It seems like you've checked at each one of those rats. Why well, you have one, sir? No, Come on. Thank you very Come much. on. Rat on a stick. What about you, little man? No, rat no, on a stick. I'm good, thank you. Rat very on much. a stick, sir. Oh, no, thank you. I'm vegetarian. All right. Well, all right. You have a good night. Okay. You two gentlemen, um, again, Officer Jarty. Ad- Admiral Miles. <laughs> So you walk down to the next door. The next door you see an elderly gentleman with a small boy about six years of age. Very cute. When he smiles, little dimples in the cheek. And the old man nudges him forward a little bit encouragingly. And the boy sticks himself up, sticks his chest out, puts his thumbs behind his belt and says, A small bit of tackle for you, sir. We've got a few small fishing poles and some thin but tough strands of twine. Great for catching fish. He looks at the old man as if, did I do it right? And the old man smiles at you and he gestures to a little box. He goes, oh, oh, hooks. We've got hooks too. Look here in the box. And he opens a small box full of sharp bits of twisted metal. We sell nets for little fishies too. All the things that you need for fish vendors come to old Thomas's fish vendory here in Fishtown. Oh, that was a very good spruik. Oh, thank you. My name's Commodore Miles at your service from the Night's Watch. Commodore? Yes. What's that? That's a rank. Oh, what's a rank? It's like you know how you're a fish merchant and your father's a better fish merchant. Yes. He, he has a higher rank than you. Oh, okay. So my grandpa here, he's the highest rank. Yes, he would be a Commodore fish merchant. Oh, Commodore grandpa. <laughs> it kind of laughs at you a little bit and you see the grandfather tussle his hair. And, All right, leave the watchmen alone. I'm sure they've got a very busy night ahead of them. What's your name, young man? My name, my name is TJ. TJ, you did a very good job. Let me shake your hand. Oh, thank you, sir. And as he shakes his hands, he passes off two coppers for the boy and gives him a wink. Uh, um, are you buying something? Uh, no, that's for doing a very good job. Your father is obviously training you quite well, even though you're a bit stilted and uh, it's not quite fluid. Um, you can do a little bit more work, but two coppers seems about adequate for the performance you gave. Oh, thank you. And he t- turns back into his grandfather's arms and he kind of looks and shows them up to his grandfather. His grandfather looks at you and he says, thank you. You're welcome, sir. You're doing a fine job raising an industrious young boy. He's a little bit slow to get off the mark, but he'll get there one day. So is there any trouble like you guys have heard of? Uh, no. What about you, Grand- uh, Commodore Grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> he laughs. <laughs> no, no trouble here. Very well. Enjoy your night. Thank you. We'll let you know if anything happens. Please do. You get to the next uh, next door and you see a large man with bulging biceps covered with tattoo and he snarls. Bah! Buy little boy's toys from a little boy. You want real He-Man fishing tackle? You get it here. Look at this hook. It's bigger than your hand. You can catch a real kraken with this. Nets too. Huge ones for catching monsters of the deep. Your choice. Ten silvers apiece. Oh, we're not really in the market for tackle. All right. Well, what about a fish hook? They're also good for fighting. (laughs) 
uh, what's your name, good man? Unta. Unta. It seems like you could do a fine trade for a conch over here, which we just recently paid 10 silver pieces for. We'd happily trade it for <laughs> a fish. <laughs> oh, you fell for the old conch trick, did you, you idiots? You were new in town or something? Yes, I read less than 24 hours, in fact. Oh, well, he obviously saw you coming, Arlen did, didn't he? Yes, we had our lights on and our armbands on. Of course he would see us coming. Of Good. You going to buy anything? Not for me. Well, then bugger off. How very rude. Have a good day. If there's anything you observe out of the ordinary, please uh, call on us. Or oh, whatever. <laughs> he kind of turns back to what he's doing and doesn't, doesn't do anything. You get to the next stall and you see a hunched-backed crow of a woman. Beautiful fish heads for you. Nice fish head jewellery. Keeps the rats away. See their eyes shine when the sun catches them. And she pushes it up into the air and then realises it's dark and there's mist all around. And she goes... Uh, Pretty, aren't they? Remember their magic too. Magic? Oh, magic. Oh, I'm quite good at magic now. Detect magic. <laughs> oh, mumbo jumbo. They don't detect magic at all. Ah, uh, another conch trick. They're not magic at all. What do you mean they're not magic? Always magic. Guaranteed to attract cats, they will. Ah, <laughs> uh, touche. My name's uh, Marshall Miles at your service. Is there any uh, trouble in the pots? Oh, we ain't had any trouble here. Old Helga would have told you at the very get-go. You'd probably spy trouble a mile away. But you know what, though? Oh. If you pass that vendor over there and she points back at Unter, she says, you just watch out for him. He's a rotten type, that one. That one's had fish stuffed in his shirt for about 14 years, if you, if you know what I mean. A bit on the nose. <laughs> Uh, tell us a little bit about Unter, will you? Um, what's your name, lovely Helga? Helga. He, he's a salty man, gets his salt from the sea, he does. I don't think that he's happy doing whatever he does, but I don't think he'd be happy if he did anything else. Can I sense motive? Yes, you can sense motive. Eight. Her motive is she likes a bit of gossip. Well, lo lo lovely talking to you, Helga. What, el what else do you know about the people in the, in the market? Oh, well, there's, there's old TJ over there. Well, he's such a nice lad. And, and his, his old grandpa, I mean, both of them too young and too old to go fishing anymore. So they spend their days here. He's a good boy. That boy is a good boy. If you want a good rat on a stick, you go over to that guy over there. Uh, conch shells, I'd stay away from him. If you bought a conch shell, you are probably a bit naive. <laughs> I can guarantee you I did not buy a conch shell. Yeah, only an idiot would buy a conch shell. Agreed. So uh, I've heard that uh, the, the rat and the stick sell it tastes his own wares. Oh, it wouldn't point past them. They are delicious. Yeah, but if he tastes them more before he sells them on to you. Again, wouldn't put them past him. You want to know who tastes their own wares? You go all the way up to the top and see Ivan. You ever seen Ivan eat one of them live squids? That is gross. That is true. We did see that. He, he must have quite the constitution to be able to stomach that without uh, cooking it. He says they're delicious. I ain't seen it and I ain't ever going to taste it. Sounds about right. You know what's good to eat? Beets. I've got other customers. Nice talking to you. Have a good night. Lovely talking to you. Any issues, call her out. We are the Night's Watch. As you approach the next stall, you see an eerie sight. A dishevelled man in a bloody apron is cleaving fish into tiny pieces. A simple sign above him reads, Chum! He turns and looks up at you. And he looks at the woman selling fish heads that you just spoke to. And he screams, I can't take that song any longer, you fish freak! And with that, 
He pushes over his table and he runs at the old woman with the fish cleaver held high above his head. Initiatives, please. Gee, that kicked off fast. That escalated quickly. (laughs) I didn't even get to tell him my rank. I thought you were going to go from Commodore to Super Nest to... All right, initiative rolls. What have we got here? Let's start with Reg. So little Reg rolled 16, so he gets a 22. Oh, that's amazing. Miles, what did you get? 11.3. Flopsy? 18.3. Oh, that's not bad at all. At all. Now, can I get one of you, please, to roll for Piera? Eight on the roll. Piera has a plus two on her initiative, so she gets a 10. And the fishmonger Chum Man. Hello, Chum. What hero, Justin? He rolled a natural 20. Oh, yeah. Get out. So he is going to go after Reg, who goes first. <laughs> so how far ahead of me is he? Hers is the stall next door. His is the stall that you're at. Oh, okay. So he's going around the table and he's going to go past me to get to her. Then, yeah. see? Okay. So I'll step into between where he's obviously going to want to run through the area towards her, draw my weapon and say, Halt in the name of the commander in chief of the Night's Watch. Lay down, lay down your cleaver. What weapon do you draw? Kama. So you draw your Kama, and he kama, 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 he kama. seems to take no notice of you whatsoever except to continue moving past. So he is basically using a full round action to withdraw from where you are and just move straight past you. He gets halfway across that area. You see at the site of you drawing a, your weapon, you see a whole heap of people stop what they're doing and start cowering behind their stalls moving out of the way flopsy what are you doing flopsy will chase him and go stop please stop sir no harm shall come tonight we can talk about this you can definitely approach him do you want to approach him yep okay so you move straight up right next to him and tell him to stop you think he's not listening you're just seeing just rage on his face helga run Piera does kind of a similar thing. She pulls, you can see her pull her sap out and she kind of moves up again. And she, you can see her double timing it around to where Helga is. She's trying to intercept Helga and get Helga to safety. So she moves up. She goes, Oi, get out of the way, Helga. He's coming for you. Miles. Am I within 30 feet? Yes. Miles is going to cast slumber on him with his hex slumber. So make a will save, please. That is a six. He's asleep. He falls asleep. Boom, drop to his knees, fall flat on the on his face, and he drops his cleaver that's in one hand, and he's just lying there right next to Flopsy. Flopsy will kick the cleaver out of the way. Flopsy kicks the cleaver out of the way. Sorry, you guys doing anything in the uh, round that he's He's still going to, as his move action, he's going to cackle him and extend the hex. Oh, shit. Sorry. Now I know why no one takes cackle for slumber. Why? Because it doesn't work on it. I thought it was one of the... It lost. says Agony Hex, Charm Hex, Evil Eye Hex, Fortune Hex, or Misfortune Hex. That's a ruined my level two take. Oh, now he's not <laughs> OP anymore, Luke. All right, so we just need to go back to he's asleep. Flopsy's kicked a, the cleaver away from him. What's everybody else doing? Here, Flopsy, tie him up. And Reg will go over to the old lady and run up to her and say, Ma'am, are you okay? We don't know what, what's gotten into him. What 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 song was he talking about? What what was he you, arcing on about some song? I can't stand it anymore. Do you, you know anything? What's, what's that all about? I I don't know. And as that's happening, 
all these other people from their vendors start to come up and go, Oi, 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 what are you doing to him? What are you, what are, oi, leave him alone. He ain't done nothing. What are you attacking Theodore for? What are you doing? What are you doing? You see a, a, a crowd start to move around the group of you with Theodore on the floor and Helga behind her own stuff. What's going on here? You hear a voice say. Flopsy will um, lay down literally flat on top of Theodore, trying to put him prone. Oi, what's he doing? And he will say, we, we are members of the Night's Watch. There was about to be an altercation. We're just stopping it to make sure no harm happens to Helga or Theodore. Everyone can go about their business. Uh, nothing to see here. Uh, um, I saw it all with my own eyes. That man didn't do anything. He didn't do nothing. And those watchmen, they just attacked him. He was just walking. This is not good. You hear like members of the crowd just starting to to bustle and get a little bit antsy about them. He didn't do anything. What's going on here? Who's what? What's right here? He he's been all right. Theodore ain't done nothing. He's been here for his salt of the earth. That one Theodore, salt of the earth. Miles goes over to Pierre and puts a little the Night's Watch symbol into the light to show that we're members of the Night Watch. See if that calms anything down. What's Flop. Pierre's charisma like? Because we could do with somebody who's a bit of a face right now. <laughs> ain't getting that out of me. Ain't getting that out of my NPC. Flopsy would like to make a diplomacy check to calm the crowd down, if that's okay. Oh, excellent. All right. Let's see what that diplomacy check is, please. 28. Oh! Natural 20. Oh, nice. Yeah. What is that? Is that so diplomacy, how so, are you going to so do that? So that's an 18. <laughs> 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 Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing to see here. No problem. Theodore will come to no harm. He'll wake up in just one moment. We've just subdued them so that we could uh, ensure that both Helga and Theodore come to no harm. Both of them are promising business people who uh, are allowed to go about their day. Apparently there was a song. Has anyone heard about a song that perhaps someone was singing that was aggravating Theodore? He was quite upset about it. And we'll uh, settle this all down now. The, the crowd definitely kind of take note of you and some of them step back a bit. You can also see just... Even looking around, you don't even need perception checks. People are starting to put their hands on fish hooks, daggers, cleavers, and they're kind of going, Nightwatch, this is what the Nightwatch do. This is the one of them bad ones. Kind of hear that kind of sentiment going through when all of a sudden a little voice says, Stop! It's okay. These guys, they're, they're not too bad. You, you should not do anything bad to them. Um, I saw Theodore doing something weird today. He told he told Grandpa that he'd found a valuable treasure, and then all day he's been yelling and screaming. He, he yelled at me this morning for nothing. All I did was walk past. And you see the crowd sort of even start to listen to TJ, and you see one of the old ladies go, it's all right, TJ. Here, where's your grandfather? That's all right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you better listen to him. We all know Thomas here doesn't tell a lie. So let's get to the bottom of what's going on here. By this time, I assume um, we've probably finished tying up Theodore and he's probably come too since it's only one round. Can you help him, sirs and ma'am, please? He's not a bad man. Please help Theodore. He'll be awake in three, two, one. Back in the room. (laughs) What's this treasure he was talking about? I don't know. Grandpa just said that he'd found a, a treasure. Please help him. We'll do what we can. Theodore, Theodore. Yes, what? Get me out of this. Let me out of it. What's this music you say you're hearing? It's a, that fucking song. If she sings that song anymore, oh, I'm going to... And you kind of you see him thrash around. You see him start spitting and fluffing, for like frothing at the mouth. He's just rage and anger and you, you see at that point thomas is 
and he moves up to Reg and he kind of grabs onto Reg's hand. He says, please help him, sir. I can assure you there, there is no song playing right now. Let me at her. Let me. Let me at her. So Flopsy wants to uh, roll a diplomacy check on Theodore to try and calm him down. He uh, rolled a five, and as we know from his diplomacy check, that will equal out to a three. Uh, uh, you idiot. Stop stretching, you dumb idiot. Get off me. I will not get off you, and if you don't calm down, I will be forced to use lethal measures to destroy you right here in front of all these people who Uh, obviously hate you. I'm not an idiot. Anything. Get off me. Get off me. Uh, Flopsy, what if uh, the uh, treasury he found might have been magical, and you know how Decath got something that was magical and turned rice? Maybe there's something affecting his mind. So, with all that going on, they're just going to cast Detect Magic on Theodore. Which I can now do because I took a level in cleric. Excellent. As an orison. He looks at you with wide-eyed bewilderment as you detect a sense of magic coming straight from the body of Theodore. And, of course, Flopsy. Well, Flopsy's got a couple of magic items. Yep. Yeah. So you, you detect magic coming straight <laughs> off perfect. Theodore. You think he's got an amulet. Around, an amulet. around his neck. Flopsy, Flopsy, looks like I'm, I'm getting a strong sense of magic from you. It's the first time I've ever done this, Flopsy, so I'm not sure if it's something you've got or something he's got. But I get the impression there's something around his neck that might be magical. Right, everybody, I'm just going to grab the thing from around his neck. I'm not taking anything from this man. Don't be alarmed. Doing it openly so everyone can see. And he reaches in. Nothing up my sleeve, nothing to see here, and tries to pull out the amulet to see what he can see. The amulet is literally stuck to his chest. So you kind of grab it and it, it won't move. It's just stuck there. You can see it's, a, uh, it's a, a little medallion with it, and on top of that medallion you can see it's got like an octopus kind of symbol on it. The tentacles of the octopus go outside the medallion. They're stuck into his chest. Do you say tentacles? Yes. Cool. That doesn't look very pleasant. Oi, oi, what are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with Theodore? Look at this piece of unnaturalness attached to his chest. He obviously needs some kind of help, and it's affecting him. He's making him quite cranky. Um, uh, Reginald, I'm, I, I may be struggling to hold this man down for much longer. You're asking me, okay. <laughs> yeah. You've got him helpless at the moment, so if you want to restrain him and tie him up, you can do so. We just want to, we don't want to hurt him, but we want to restrain him. Yeah, so we'll tie him up. So yeah, uh, just address the crowd. Everyone, we just want to, we're just, just going to move Theodore so that he's safe, restrained from hurting anybody else. I just want you to know that what we're doing here, we're just going to put him there and we're going to see what we can sort out here. Nobody's going to get hurt. Ew, what are you going to do with him? No, nothing, nothing. We just want to make sure he's safe and everyone else is safe. We just want to sit him down, calm him down, make sure that everything, everyone walks away from this happy and, and uninjured. You see Helga, she comes out with a, like a chair for him to to sit on and she kind of, you know, just invites him to sit down and says, you could use this if you like. And kind of gives you a space to go. At the same time, you, you feel a little tug on your arm, Reg. Yep. You look down. <laughs> I look down. That's, yeah. that's, you look down. That's very uncommon for and, me. And Thomas is standing there and he says, Mr. Watchman. Yes, Thomas. Will you come to my house and read me a bedtime story later tonight? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if there's time. Yes, I'll, I'll certainly do that if there's time. Yes. Uh, please. And yet, at that point, you can see his grandfather kind of sitting there and his grandfather kind of gives you the thumbs up and he says, you'd be most welcome at our house tonight, please. If you could stop in, it'd mean the world to him. Uh, absolutely, sir. 
Meanwhile, the other two of you guys are, are bustled off. You've got Theodore sitting there. You've got this amulet that you can't rip off of his chest. And he's just, even in the restraints, anytime he sees Helga, he just starts thrashing. Let me, I'm going to make some of your bones. Uh, Miles, I'm going to try and investigate more on this amulet. Maybe you could take Helga to another place so it's not antagonizing him. Sure. So before Miles walks off, I'll just tug on Miles' arm and just, do you want to just double check she's not got any weird magical thing yeah, on uh, her as well? Actually, I already did that. Did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, my heads. bad. Yep. Yeah, you did. There's nothing yeah. magical. She just, imagine like an old crone. She's got a hunchback. She looks yeah. like a witch. She's obviously playing into that idea. She even said it when you asked her what the magic was and she's like, they're guaranteed to attract, attract cats. cats. Yeah. So she's she's playing up the image that obviously she's built for herself. She even says to you, I don't know what's going on. We usually get on quite well. Theodore's loved by everybody. This is not like him at all. Well, it seems to be whatever that amulet is around his neck is causing him some sort of distress or change in his uh, attitude. So what are you going to do with him? Well, we a couple of us have a few magical arts. Maybe we can get it removed. Flopsy's with Theodore. He's going to uh, try and do a detect magic and understand spellcraft check on the... Properties sure. of this, is that okay? Yep, it's definitely magical. Give me a spellcraft check roll, Brett. Spellcraft of 17. You have no idea what this amulet is, but you get the idea that perhaps it's not an actual magic item, but instead a cursed item. Oh. You cast your spell and you see a shadow move up as if someone's moved behind you. You turn around and you see two figures. The first figure pulls down a very silky coat, uh, a hood, revealing his elven ears and you see a female behind doing very much the same the female holding a driftwood staff and they both look at you and they says what has happened to this man this gentleman um, was acting quite aggressive so we've subdued him and we've identified this magical property on his chest that seems to be unremovable not quite sure what its properties are who who, who are you my name is Bulklutha. and uh, what interest Are you on you... the male elf or the female elf? That's the male elf. What interest do you have in this matter? Do not worry. There is a small refuge for those in need here in town itself. You can leave him with us. We will take him back there where he will be safe. And stepping out from the fog in the direction of the city gates, you see another man, a large, bulging, well-dressed man, obviously richly dressed. To his left is a torchbearer and to his right is a manservant. He swaggers up to them and says, not so fast. I will take this man. I have a much better place for him than the elf does. I belong to a true temple, a beautiful and splendid place, not some shanty on the docks. Ooh. Shanty. And at that, we'll see you next time. Yeah, that's a cool one. The flops would have been taken aback when you cast us. Yeah, I think Miles would have as well. He's like, I didn't know magic was catching. Yeah. <laughs> it's spreading like a disease. You've got like an unlimited.